Hey, my friends, this is Truth, Lies, Shenanigans, the live show for Sunday, October 25th, 2020. My name is Neo, and I'd like to welcome all of you to our deep, fun, and crazy show. Let me introduce you to our co-host for this afternoon, opposite me, the show's Twitter tweeter, Miss Lizzie. Twitter tweeter, happy Sunday fun day, everyone. Catch this, get this dance. The Washington team is up on them Cowbamas. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Cowbamas. <laughs> <laughs> and in the window below me, we have the man with the great clips, Mr. Rob B. Happy Sunday, fun day to everyone. I hope everyone's having a great day today. For those that don't know, Rob B does our clips for the show. <laughs> yes. All right. For today's show, we have a truly special guest. Mayor Patrick Woyan will be joining us talking about the election, Trump, Biden, COVID, and the future of the Democratic Party. Then the mayor has agreed to stick around with us to join Lizzie's hot topic, Trump versus Biden, round two. And Rob mm -hmm. E. shares how tribal, Bra tribal Brazilians are using drones to save the planet. Don't forget, we are live everywhere. Our streams are on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, and Twitter, at TLS Live Show. And you can also watch us at TruthLiesShenanigans.com. Make sure you invite your friends to watch along with us live. And of course, we want your comments and questions as part of the show. And for today's show, we have our friend Gianni. Our production assistant will be popping in and out to read your comments and questions to the panel. Johnny, we've got a packed show today, but next show, I think I'm going to put you on the hot seat. What, 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 what? You don't know what that is, but we're going to put you on the hot seat so everyone can get to know you a little bit better. Uh -huh. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Sounds good. All right, Johnny, we'll see you in a bit. All right, now. If you miss our live show you, or you don't have time to stick around with us live, you can now listen to previous episodes on iTunes and Spotify. And you can even ask Google, Alexa, or Siri to simply play Truth, Lies, Shenanigans podcast. All right, to start things off, I've got a quick fire question for my hosts. And I want to get your initial reactions. This as quickly as you can. All right. So we had a final debate between Trump and Biden on Thursday, and this happened. Nobody has done more for the black community than Donald Trump, with the exception of Abraham Lincoln, possible exception, but the exception, I'm the least racist person in this room. Abraham Lincoln here is one of the most racist presidents we've had in modern history. He pours fuel on every single racist fire. This guy is a dog whistle about as big as a foghorn. <laughs> Get him. Get him. All right, so guys, was Abraham Lincoln over here, the least racist person in the room? Lizzie? Hell no. The moderator is a black woman, Kristen Welker. She's a, and not to say that black people can't be racist. I was going to say, wait a minute. She, she certainly is not. And it's he has to assume that a woman of color who is married to a white man, who is moderating this debate between two white potential presidents beyond November 3rd is not racist. So why would he consider himself the least racist person in the room in front of Kristen Welker? All right, Robbie, real quick. Uh, he's probably one of the least racist people there for sure, because at the end of the day, he only sees how much green you're packing. That's what he cares about. <laughs> That's a good point. 
I, I want to say, well, Biden got it right. So, but, but damn, it was cold when he said <laughs> Abraham Lincoln over here. That was cold. That was cold. I mean, I was, I swear, I busted out laughing when I heard that. Very quickly, just also too, even in terms of presidents. I mean, we all know in terms of presidents, he falls at the bottom of the barrel. Let's talk about Barack Obama. Let's talk about Lyndon Johnson and the Civil Rights Act and Voting Act of 1965. Let's talk about Ulysses Grant and the 15th Amendment that gave everyone, regardless of color, the right to vote. But this Bama is saying he's the least racist person since Abe Lincoln. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah. anyway, I, I, I just can't deal with this, dude. All right, so <laughs> let me tell you a little bit about what Truth, Lies, and Shenanigans is all about. And we've given you a little bit of a taste. We'll be sharing our truths and opinions with you, calling out the lies and pointing out those ridiculous shenanigans going on. But most importantly on this show, we try to have some fun with shenanigans of our own. But we do have one rule for our hosts, not necessarily our guests, but definitely our hosts. If you're, if you're caught cussing, there is a $10 penalty. And if you guys are caught cussing three times in the same show, and our viewers will call you out, uh, you will be writing a love letter to the clown himself. He wrote me beautiful letters, and they're great letters. Now, you can see here who has the foul mouth. 140. That's a lie. No. Nope. <laughs> you want Gianni? You want Gianni? We're going to have who's cussing throughout shows as well because that's a lie. That's a complete lie. <laughs> Looks like we got to get Gianni that's a refresh. <laughs> Thank you, Gianni. <laughs> All right. In a bit, Gianni. All right, so the cussing pot will go to a deserving charity immediately following the election, and then we'll reset our cussing pot because we'll have to do something else other than <laughs> write a letter to Trump because he'll have to be out of office. And remember, the cussing pot charity, again, it's all in-house. So it's to my, you know, end of 2020, Chanel go fund me. <laughs> So yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's I'll essentially be paying myself, actually. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. It's time for our spotlight. And man, we have we have been getting some awesome guests lately, and today is no different. Today's spotlight is on Mayor Patrick Woyan. Hey, Patrick, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. good to see y'all. Good to be here. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me today. Let me introduce Patrick to our audience. Patrick was born and raised in Wisconsin, received his law degree from Georgetown University, and has served as mayor of the city of College Park, Maryland since 2015 after serving eight years on the city council. He also works as the Director of Government Relations at Rails to Trails Conservancy. And in his career, he's worked as an advocate and champion for people with disabilities, people living with AIDS, environmental sustainability, uh, the College Park Community Food Bank, and Equality Maryland, Maryland's LGBTQ civil rights organization. And as mayor, he worked with the University of Maryland to make College Park a top-tier college town. Believe me. 
You can't imagine how much College Park has progressed since 2015. My friend and the mayor, Patrick Wollion. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome, welcome. Thanks, thanks, Neo. And uh, more, perhaps more importantly, I'm actually Neo's neighbor. He lives just on the street from me, so just I, I go by his house on a, on a regular basis. And Literally one block away. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> so it's great to be here. I know you, you said that the no cussing rule doesn't apply to guests, um, but it does apply to me because I just found out that my parents are watching. Uh, so shout out to, <laughs> to Karen and Dennis Boyan in, in, in Green Bay and uh, my sister and also her four kids. So so um, so I can't cuss either. I'll, I'll get in, I'll get in trouble. You guys. I cuss. Mayor, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure for me. <laughs> I know. Right? It is pressure. <laughs> I'll keep you clean. So I have to ask, how are you and your husband holding up through these COVID days? Are you guys surviving, struggling? Yeah, we're, we're doing okay. I mean, you know, College Park, uh, we've got a lot of challenges because we've got the, the university community here. Of course, the um, College Park is the home of the flagship campus of the University uh, System of Maryland, the University of Maryland in College Park. And uh, we, we've had a lot of challenges because the, the, well, when, when COVID hit, the student population basically disappeared. They all went uh, to the four, scattered to the four winds. And uh, because of that, it was pretty, pretty quiet for several months, but then they all came back in September. And, uh, and we've been navigating how to do that safely, how to incorporate the student population safely into, back into the city. Uh, in terms of what we've been doing here, my husband and, my, and me, um, uh, we've uh, been working from home a lot, um, as most of us are, as so many of us are, and, uh, and we've been doing a lot of carry out. Uh, as, as mayor, I feel it's my role to, to be uh, the Mr. Chamber of Commerce, uh, as my husband Dave says, and pitching the restaurants that we still have open here. Uh, so every night we, we, when we order carry out, and we do it about three times a week. We post pictures of it to show what great food we have. Uh, I feel like I'm, I want to keep them all, keep all my, all my, all my, uh, my babies alive, my, my, um, my restaurants, keep them going here in College Park. So, um, so, so we've been kind of having fun with that. Um, um, but it's been it's been really busy. It's been a, it's been a challenging several months, um, but we're uh, we're keeping things going as best we can. All right. Now, before we get into the interview, I, I want to tell you guys a quick story about Patrick. Um, uh, everyone on the show knows that my wife, Mel, owns a fitness studio. Posh Cycling and Fitness, Posh.fit. Make sure you check it out. But honestly, I don't know if the studio would exist without Patrick. Uh, for years, Mel had been telling me she wants uh, to open a studio and I was like, let's do it but she'd never felt confident enough to actually get started. Then one day she got inspired and decided she was gonna send an email to the mayor of College Park just to tell him her idea and see if there was any financial help or anything like that. And let me tell you, Patrick responded almost immediately and set up a meeting for her with him, the city business manager and the guy in charge of grants, right? And they basically ended up pitching her to open her studio in the city. I'm telling you, Mel walked away completely inspired. And from then on, I saw a fire in her that just didn't stop. And of course, the rest is history because Posh Cycling and Fitness is right here in, in the city of College Park. And I know I've thanked you before, but we definitely appreciated your support with that. And, you know, you might be too modest to say this, but Posh last year was the for the first time we, we decided to declare um, to, to uh, designate a small business of the year. And Posh, for the first time, uh, was the uh, our inaugural for 2019 
uh, Small Business of the Year for College Park. So, so Posh has given back to the community in countless ways. Uh, it's a great business. I, I've had a chance to take a, a couple of classes there. I did a boxing class. It was yes, a lot of fun. He did. You got video. I should have. I should have put it in. I should have added to the show. I forgot about that. <laughs> All right. Now, can you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself? How you got started in politics, and also what was the value you saw in getting specifically into local politics? Yeah, yeah. So uh, my my husband and I moved to College Park in two thousand three, and I I right, right away wanted to get in, involved in the community. I had been involved in LGBTQ civil rights movement in uh, different ways uh, throughout my time at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, where I went to undergrad. Uh, and then when I moved out to to after finishing law school, moved out to Maryland, wanted to get involved locally in, in activism, and and uh, and we. Uh, Dave and I became one of the plaintiff couples in the marriage equality lawsuit for the state of Maryland. Uh, that was a lawsuit that unfortunately we lost, but then we went on to, as, as everyone probably knows, went on, we lost that battle. We won the war. Ultimately, uh, Maryland approved marriage equality uh, in 2012 uh, by being one of the first states in the country to win at the ballot box for equal marriage rights for same-sex couples. And uh, while I was doing that, I wanted to, to raise awareness. Uh, we were in the media a lot, raise awareness here in the city of College Park. Uh, I tried to pass, get a resolution passed through the city council to support the effort, the lawsuit. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't successful, but by, by doing that, I got to know our local civic association. I got to know uh, people who were on the city council at that time. And in 2007, uh, there came a couple of, of uh, vacancies open on our city council, so I decided to run. I also, uh, one of the reasons why we moved to, to College Park was we really saw a lot of potential for College Park to be a great university community. Having gone to school at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, uh, I love that the, the atmosphere that a university creates, mm -hmm. and that was one of the reasons why we chose College Park as our, as our home. Um, but we we saw potential that wasn't realized because there was a lot of tension at the time between uh, the the city and the and the university. Uh, the the community was also is also a bedroom community for the for Washington D.C. Uh, so it didn't quite have the link that we have between the city and the and the and the university. One of my goals is really to leverage the the resources and the benefit of having a university community a university here. Uh, to make College Park a top-tier university community, to really bring the exciting and, and quirky small businesses that often come with universities, uh, the, the commercial districts, uh, the variety of restaurants, uh, and, and um, on all the amenities, like great places to walk and bike, great parks. Um, to me, you asked you know, why, the, uh, why local politics are important, and I think local politics are really where so many things that are, are decided on, on a day-to-day -day basis that impact our lives, um, those decisions are made. So, uh, so I, I saw. I think local government is really. It's exciting to be part of. You have a direct contact between us as elected officials and the residents that we serve. Uh, I see. I, I talk to my residents in the grocery store all the time. My constituents, um, which I love. Uh, I get to hear from them all the time. So it's 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 fun, and I enjoy it. And do you have any aspirations beyond mayor? Like maybe president? Like maybe president? I don't know. I think it's a few steps that I would have to go in between between them there. But <laughs> um, 
but uh, I, I, I am looking, thinking about what I might do next. Um, I've been mayor. This is now my third term as mayor. And, and uh, as much as I, I love the local, local level of government, um, I do think I've, I've, a lot of my passions are in things like, uh, like uh, sustainability and civil rights. And those are things that I think I could have even more of a, uh, make, make more of a difference on the state level. Um, or on the county level. So I'm looking at those options. Okay, and, and before I let, I'm gonna let my, turn things over to my co-host, but let's talk about national politics. Uh, what are your thoughts on Trump-Biden right now? Oh, and I, I have a video of you that I'd like to share. Oh. <laughs> All right, here I am about to draw my ballot off. Here to vote in the 2020 elections, 2020 presidential election. I'm here with a bunch of mayors. And can you also talk about your thoughts on Trump claiming widespread voter fraud? <laughs> well, there's no evidence of that, clearly. Um, the, he's, I think he's preparing for his, for his loss if he, if he does lose. And you can, yeah, uh, it's, it's, pretty, <laughs> it's pretty apparent where my political uh, beliefs lie. Uh, but um, if he does lose, then I think he's preparing to to be able to blame it on something else. He won't let his he won't let his ego uh, admit that, uh, that that he's lost because of anything that he's done. So he has to find other ways, other things to blame it on. Like um, uh, he's going to throw he's going to throw everything up against the wall and see what sticks. If he claims voter fraud or or uh, you know email something emails um, hunters emails or something like that he's going to say everything is is uh, to blame for for his loss except for himself yeah. yeah um let me turn things over to rob b real quick oh and by the way just before he, he jumps in just to let you know this show is very anti-trump so don't worry about that <laughs> we are openly anti-trump <laughs> i couldn't tell I, I really it was we're not we're not we're not anti-republican or we're very bipartisan we're just anti-trump <laughs> all right i think that's a fair statement <laughs> sorry about that go ahead go to rugby no worries um first off patrick uh, kudos on your green transportation and infrastructure projects uh your support of the lgbt community and involvement in all kinds of social projects in your community uh, wonderful altruistic endeavors and to be commended so kudos um thank you i am very curious uh, what some of your biggest challenges have been in running the day-to-day -day operations of College Park, given the inconsistent messaging from federal, state, and local authorities vis-a-vis -vis the COVID pandemic. Yeah, that's that's been a, it's been a real challenge because so I talked about the students coming back in, in the fall, and we've been very very uh, uh, forthright that we, that this is not a year like any other. It can't be a year like any other here in, in college park, the, the types of parties and large gatherings that we typically see, uh, in the fall when the students come back, uh, just couldn't happen, um, as they could become super spreader events. Uh, and we, we've been reinforcing that message constantly and reinforcing the need to wear masks, the, the, the need to you know, not gather or have, People crowd into bars like they usually do. Uh, the need to social distance, uh, and for the most part, for the most part, the students have gotten that. The students have been been great. But when we have people on the national level, uh, when we have our president even saying things like, like masks, he doesn't understand why masks are important, or or you know this is just going to go away. We don't need to worry about this this virus. The virus isn't that serious. 
that really sends a conflicting message to to the people that we really need to be able to, to, to cooperate with us and work together with us to prevent this from being any worse than it already has been. Yeah. Lizzie? So I want to ask, um, this week, we all know that even though it's not um, a very popular uh, nomination, we know that Amy Be Coney Barrett is probably 99% is going to be um, confirmed as the next Supreme Court justice. And she has consistently been evasive on LGBTQ issues, rights, gay marriage. So does that make you nervous? Like, what is your initial reaction to having her as our next Supreme Court judge? It does make me very nervous. And the the the, the majority in all the cases like Obergefell and Windsor, all those cases have been decided uh, very closely on, on a five to four or, or uh, six to three basis. And to have now, we, we had uh, three, this administration has put three new judges, justices on the court uh, that, could, that could really threaten uh, LGBTQ equality, Amy, Amy Coney, Coney Barrett uh, is known as a, as a being very conservative, as having uh, uh, religious views that, that may not allow her to, to recognize uh, LGBTQ equality. Uh, so that is very concerning to me. And uh, I, I hope that precedent will hold that the, that the powerful decisions that have come out in the last few years, that they, that they remain in place. Uh, but uh, but I, I am very concerned about uh, about my own relationship with my husband, about our, our legal relationship, about the legal re relationship and the rights of LGBTQ people uh, all over the country. Robbie, you had a similar. Oh, good. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I, I do have a question to kind of follow up with that. Um, very recently, uh, Pope Francis came forward and uh, recognized civil unions, same-sex uh, civil unions. Now. I know that uh, Amy, just a staunch Catholic, and let's be honest, her personal views are impacted by her religious views. So now the pontiff, the higher order has said, hey, rule change, we're okay with this. So I'm just curious if you believe that there are going to be some deep ramifications just as far as the American psyche is concerned when it comes to the religious rights, when we're dealing with a large number of Catholics in the US. Yeah, let me just, just say, I, I think, you're, what what Pope Francis did was a big step, but it's only in some ways. But it's, but it's also not full legal marriage equality. He's rep he's, he's suggesting civil unions. I think uh, it's important that there is a there is a separation of church and state, and there are many religions in our country that fully embrace and accept equal marriage rights for same sex couples. Uh, my my husband and I we actually my husband was raised Catholic, and we attend a uh, a, a Catholic mass. Uh, it's an organization called Dignity Washington, which is a, a Catholic mass that is uh, that accepts and embraces uh, full uh, equality of the personhood of, of of the LGBT community, and and as a result is not officially recognized by the Catholic Church. Um, but but we were married in a Catholic in that in that in a ceremony um, through Dignity, and uh, and it's important that our our government recognize that that there are many religions that do fully embrace equal marriage rights. Uh, so what, what, uh, what Pope Francis said, uh, he, he doesn't recognize the diversity of religious beliefs, even within the Catholic Church, because there are many Catholics 
uh, who, who, who believe that, uh, that, that same-sex couples are, are fully sanctioned under God. Uh, so it's a, it's a step, but it's not going all the way there. Uh, I am also concerned that I'm not sure that, that Amy Coney Barrett, based on her her uh, uh, membership in, um, I, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the organization, but the the, um, the organization that had the, the hand, that used, they used to call them handmaidens, uh, that, that it is a conservative. She, she, she seems to veer more towards a conservative. I'd never heard that before. The handmaidens, yeah, like the handmaidens tale. Um, it's the um, um, pilgrims of, of Christ or something like that. I'm, oh, really? I'm, oh, I'm going to look that up. Look it up right um, now. But, but, uh, um, but she, her views have tended to veer more towards the, the, the uh, conservative, um, the conservative uh, Catholic doctrine. So, so whether she, uh, first of all, I mean, I'm not sure that the, what the Pope says should influence what she's, what she's doing. Um, it should be more influenced by 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 the separation of church and state, in my opinion. Um, but uh, but the the um, but I'm not sure that uh, uh, that even, that she would necessarily even follow what the Pope is saying on that issue. Did you have a follow up question, Lizzie? I have a similar question. I was going to ask. So, in terms of we already talked, you talked mentioned briefly. Um, small businesses and how they have been affected by the pandemic, but then also um, the university in College Park, University of Maryland, and that how that's affected not only the university itself, but the community surrounding the university. But what other issues have you seen hit College Park hard over the past, what, seven, almost eight months now? Yeah, well, um, clearly the, the the issue of race and equity has been has has been highlighted by George Floyd's uh, death and Breonna Taylor's death, and and it was we were even before those happened uh, those things happened we were focusing more and more on race and equity uh, in College Park. We have participated in the last year. Uh, with with uh, the Government Alliance on Race and Equity and the Metropolitan Washington Council of Governments on a cohort, looking at our policies and our practices as a city and making sure that we infuse racial equity as a primary consideration in everything that we do. Uh, since the uh, since the uh, George Floyd's death uh, and since the Black Lives Matter uh, movement uh, became more prominent, once again, reminded about how uh, how uh, bias is inherent in our in the way that we police uh, our communities in, in the United States. Uh, we have we have been working to take steps to to address that. College Park doesn't have a police force. I, I should start by saying, but we 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 work with uh, the county police, um, the University of Maryland Police Department, uh, and we and uh, we actually are, are very heavily policed as a, as a community. Uh, so we've been engaging since then with the various communities that that do serve College Park. Uh, looking at their their policies on use of force uh, and their their uh, uh, what they're what they're doing in response to um, how they're being held accountable uh, in response to things that, that have happened recently. How did College Park look over the summer in in the midst of all of this social unrest, if you will, especially in D.C., where there were a lot of protests, there was a lot of social activism. Were there protests in College Park? Is there, even though you don't have um, a specific police department, was there still a, a cry for defund whatever policing or law <laughs> enforcement that you have? Yeah, yeah. So we actually, I, I attended... Uh, a, 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 a protest that we had—I I wouldn't say it was—it was huge, but it was—but uh, <laughs> it was a good showing from our 
our community <laughs> since most of the students have <laughs> left College Park. Uh, um, I think if the students I have think been it would have been bigger if the students were here, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, we had a good turnout on, on we were out on 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 Baltimore Avenue, Route One, uh, right by the university, uh, holding signs as people were driving by. And and uh, I held a sign that said justice uh, for George Floyd, and 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 um, it was uh, it was great to get everybody together and to just um, uh, come together in a, in a common cause. We also had uh, uh, a vigil at one of our local churches for for Black Lives. Uh, I um, got together with a number of member of interfaith um, members of various uh, denominations, religions around the community, and we held a, a, a day long. Uh, uh, interfaith uh, online vigil for uh, Black Lives Matter. Uh, so we've had a couple of very, very, we wanted to, to respond as a, as a community and, and bring the community to get together uh, to show support for Black Lives and did that in several different ways. Yeah. So I want to take this a little more nationally. So the same, same similar question, because police brutality has been around since before the Jim Crow era. So it's been around forever. Um, but, um, and I know, I know you did a lot to bring light to the Black Lives Matter. You know, you, you passed a resolution, um, you know, stating that Black Lives Matter. Um, but there's a lot of people that believe the Democratic Party has failed Black people. What do you think? And what do you think the party can do to change the minds of people that feel like that? Well, I, I certainly think there is more that the Democratic Party can do, and the I think well, there will be a, a big test if we, if the Democrats win the White House and win the Senate and the House, that uh, then I think we'll have a limited amount of time to really be able to address racial equity in the country, and will and and they will have to take bold steps to do that to to re, to reinstill and restore the the faith that. Uh, you know, I I'm, I'm, can't speak as a black person, obviously, but but I think, but I but I think there have been. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think there. there <laughs> um, I mean, from what I've seen, I think there certainly have been challenges in that relationship. And I think to reinstore, there will have to be bold steps to 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 restore and maintain that relationship. Okay, but I think. Um, so what do you? What does that look like to you? I mean, what do you think that looks like? Yeah, I mean, I mean, in 2016, I think one of the reasons why Hillary Clinton lost was because a lot of a lot of a lot of black and brown folks were disenchanted with the Democratic Party, mm -hmm. and 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 I think uh, what that looks like um, for now, people, I think probably more because of Donald Trump's actions, um, um, people, more people will be turning out to vote um, because because Donald Trump has proven himself so. Uh, so problematic. Um, we, we knew it in 2016, but I think it's even more glaringly obvious now that that, that his policies have been uh, um, so bad towards um, the black community and with with, um, with COVID-19 in particular and the health disparities uh, and not, not recognizing or, or acknowledging how much more black and brown people have been impacted by COVID-19. Uh, that, then that could be a place where the Democrats start. I think um, uh, really, really working to address uh, disparities in health outcomes uh, for Black and Brown people. Disparity, the what huge wealth gap uh, that Black that Black people face in our country. Uh, the disparities in education. Um, of course, there's a criminal justice system. 
I mean, there are so many different things that, that have gone unaddressed that, uh, that I think the Democrats could really work to, to finally uh, address in the next couple of years. Right, I see some questions online. I'm going to bring uh, Gianni in real quick. Gianni, any questions hey. online? Hey, everybody. Yes. So, Mayor, the um, Jacqueline Robinson asks, has yeah. there been pressure on the university's athletic department their sports program, particularly from the parents of students who have athletic scholarship? I think he might have missed the first part. Of it. Could you repeat that? Yeah. Okay. Has there been pressure on the university's athletic department to fully start up their sports program? Has there, has there been pressure on the... Jacqueline Robinson. You, you got it? Okay. Uh, um, I would say there... there I, um, I don't know for sure. I mean, I can't, I don't, I'm not, I don't work for the university, so it's hard for me to say exactly, but I do, I do think there has been, there has been some pressure. There, there are some student athletes that want to, that want to be, um, be able to, to play their sports. Uh, there, there has been, I think famously there's been pressure, um, Trump, Donald Trump actually put pressure on the big 10 schools to start up football again. And that is why, uh, this weekend, as a matter of fact, uh, the, the the Big Ten Conference started up games again. Uh, this is a, a big concern for, for us in the community. Uh, I actually joined my, my other um, Big Ten, several other Big Ten mayors in a letter to the Big Ten Conference asking them to to keep in mind the impact that, that games will have on the community and to keep a close watch on positivity rates and set metrics that are based on data and science about what, what point it will be so dangerous, so risky to bring to, to play football games, not just because of the games themselves, but to all the celebrations, the, the partying, the tailgates that happen around the games. At what point will it be so dangerous that they should can't that they should stop the games from happening? Jenny, see any other Mayor, comments on that? Okay. Very quickly. Mayor, I apologize because I had my head down during your comment. I forgot. I'm a veteran sports journalist in addition to um, a professor, but I completely forgot that Maryland switched to the Big, Big Ten, Ten from the ACC. Oh, and so when God. you mentioned that, I was, I was like, fans. oh, God, here we go. This crazy conference alignment. Um, so I keep, <laughs> I'm still trying to catch up to all of that. Were there any other comments, Jen? <laughs> Yes, there's a comment from Daria Winter. She says, "No, the party has not failed the black community. What is done on the local what is done on the local level? Black members of the black party are involved in getting black people elected at the local level to be represented in politics. Par I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Party politics. Support black candidates for party offices. For example, how many blacks are in party offices in Maryland?" You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I will say I'm in, I'm in Prince George, Prince George's County, and Prince George's County is a majority African American county, uh, and and um, so my per, my perspective and what I deal with here on a day to day basis isn't is I'm not, I'm not sure reflective in terms of local politics. The, there is a there are there's strong local um, African American leadership here in in county in the county that hasn't been reflected as well on on the state level. Um, just that we've never had a we've never had a, a black governor in Maryland, for example, which is which is really astounding given. I didn't actually know given that. The, yeah. yeah, given the, 
the, the, the high black population here. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So I learned two things today. That College Park does not have its own police department and that Maryland as a state has never had a black governor. Interesting. Yeah, I did. I actually, that's something I didn't actually know. Um, we only have a couple more minutes. Um, did anyone have a burning question they wanted to get in? If not, I have one. Go for it. Okay, great. Go for it. So, Patrick, when you ran in 2019, there was a candidate. Her name was Lazar Lazarliani. Lazarliani. She goes that? by Zari. Yes, Zari Mosama. Okay, thank you for saying that for me. <laughs> who had who had some very homophobic remarks during the debate, claiming she was compelled to run because of your goal to make the city LGBTQ friendly, and it was totally against her uh, her her Christian beliefs. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how did it make you feel? Also, another question I had before you say that, I look at a lot of articles and I see you referred to as the openly gay uh, mayor. How does that make you feel when you yeah. see that? Because I, I don't know, I feel like if every time I looked at the papers and I saw the black mayor, Antonio, or Neo, or sorry, even, the black mayor, Neo. Or even the, the open sexual mayor. Like that, that just, I don't know. I don't, I don't need to identify as such, but like Neo said, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah, um, so I, I, I don't want to be, you know, known as the gay mayor. I want to be known as, as the mayor uh, who's doing good things for College Park, who happens to be gay. You know, so that, that's right. not, that's not what I, what I start with when I talk about what I want to do in College Park. It's, it never has been. <laughs> um, uh, when, you know, Zari, um, uh, Ms. Mosama, uh, we we met, um, you know, she's been involved in, in the community and Neighborhood Watch and things like that uh, for various years. And she was one of the, one of the people that I met with when I was first thinking about running for mayor in 2015. Uh, we had a we had a time. She told me right off there that 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 she, you know, things like she didn't believe in my sexual orientation, whatever that means. You know, she doesn't. Um, uh, and and um, see, she um, she said right then and there that she would start running against me and she tried for the first time in 2015 to run she didn't get enough uh, signatures to get her name on the ballot at that point and then she ran in 2017 and ran again in 2019 i think she's going to run and keep on running until until uh, as long as i'm um, on the ballot she's going to be on the ballot as well uh, and you know it is what it is the, the city of the residents of college park um, do not agree with her um, that it's a bad thing to have a, a, a gay mayor and that it, it, it's a bad thing to promote, to be a welcoming community, to, prom to promote equal uh, rights for the LGBT community. Uh, so um, she's never going to make much much of a difference, but um, it is distressing to me that, that her message keeps on, on, on getting out there, that, that she has that platform to speak from. Um, um, but I'm glad that, and it's all, it always heartens me to know that the, uh, that the residents of College Park don't buy into it. All right. Um, I think that's it for the questions we have for you today. Is it anything else, Rob? I'm going to bring Gianni um, and just see if we have I any just, comments. I have a curiosity question, Patrick. Um, I know that during that, um, that town hall or during the discussion when she was making her homophobic remarks from the articles that approximately half of the people either turned their backs to her or mm. left. How, how did that resound with you? 
Yeah, well, well it, it was heartening to me that 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 people in our community wouldn't aren't putting up with that. They they don't think it's a, appropriate for her to 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 talk in that sort of hateful way. Uh, so I, I was I was heartened by that, and a lot of people came up to me afterwards. And and even though I kind of knew what to expect, just because I knew her and and knew what she was about, um, they. Um, wanted to reach out to me and say, you know, that, that, uh, that they felt that that was inappropriate. So that, that was, that was heartening and encouraging for me. All right, Johnny, let's see if we get some comments from online real quick. Sure. Um, Michael Winter says, urban has a large rural co component. The fight between urban areas, the Eastern shore and the Western part of Maryland for limited state resources is real. Yeah, I think we're gonna. Let, let's come back to you. Let's see if we can fix that that internet connection, Gianni. Okay. Okay. Right, we'll come back to you. But I do see, like I see, Mel Blaine says Patrick has been super supportive throughout the business journey. I'm forever grateful. Thanks, Patrick. Well, Jan. Um, let's see. Rupka says, "Oh, Rupka says I made it." <laughs> oh, <laughs> Mel Blaine also said Zari has said a lot of crazy things while running. Um, Jeanette Brown says, "Can." Patrick talked more about the path toward politics, uh, need to get more diverse voices running for real change, um, how to get uh, a more diverse group of people thinking they should run for mayor or other uh, offices. If you can make that real quick, though. Yeah, um, yeah, it is a good question. Real quick, I'd say just figure out how to do it. If you want to do it, do it. I mean, there are, and and I, I know that that, uh, women, people of color, are often often don't run because they aren't asked uh, to run. And and um, and uh, I think um, if you've ever thought about it, look into ways to do it. Meet, meet with people, talk with people that are in those roles right now. Find mentors. Um, uh, just uh, and 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 just do it. <laughs> okay, awesome. All right, Patrick. So thank you for joining us. Fantastic interview. But you are going to stick yes. around. Or wait, before we go, I do want to do show one one last video because one thing we do is we 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 do enjoy our shenanigans. So, uh -oh. <laughs> so found this on Twitter. <laughs> so, all right, before we finish the interview, I had to had to share share the the this moves. Is, this is what vir virtual conferences, virtual conferencing is all about. There was a guy who tried to teach us the guy. It's a Twitter guy who um, does the uh, um, like the history of dance in like five minutes, and he goes through all these different dances, and you can try and do it along along with them. And and that was my my sad attempt. <laughs> so to, for those uh, listening on the podcast, you have to go. <laughs> And watch our clips because we, you can see Patrick uh, doing his shimmies. <laughs> Great moves, Patrick. All right. Thanks, thanks again for joining us, Patrick. Again, don't go anywhere. We'll see you shortly, okay? It's a pleasure. Thank you. Good stuff from the May. Good yeah. stuff from the May. Great very, interview, very. great interview. Ran a little longer than I thought. I have looked down the time and I'm like, well, well we're, we're way behind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on to our hot topics. Truth, 
The way Hot Topics works is one of our hosts will start us out and they will let you know if their topic is a truth, lie, or shenanigans. They'll tell you what's going on in the world and then we'll talk about it until we see our friend Genji. Genji will let us know when time is up and we'll bring in Gianni. Let's see if her internet's a little bit better. Let's hope to share your questions and comment. Gianni, still there? Is it good? <laughs> yes, I'm here. Can everybody hear me well? We might. We can hear you. We can't see you. We'll work it out. Uh, we'll work it out. Okay. All right. And then we'll share your comments and we'll talk a little bit more. So make sure you're talking online to us and we'll get those comments out. Once we're done, we're going to the next host and the next topic. Um, and remember, oh, so let's go. So we're going to start out with Liz E. Is this a truth liar shenanigans? I know we're talking. Oh. It's I mean, once again, it's mostly truth, but you know, a lot of shenanigans surrounding that truth. So my topic is um, talking about the final presidential debate of 2020, which happened on Thursday. And in case you missed it, you know, truth lies shenanigans. We live streamed it. We had a nice drinking game going on, mm -hmm. and. That as usual, you know, I'm a pro, so even though there were a lot of shenanigans, a lot of prompts for me to take a shot, I came out. <laughs> I'm not sure everyone else can. I, I, I'm sure you can handle all that liquor. <laughs> <laughs> the Fins taught me well. The Fins taught me well. Um, but throughout the show, um, a couple of things emerge. One, that, you know, this was the second presidential debate. We didn't have three because initially Donald Trump was um, not about having a virtual debate. He did not want to, you know, have someone in charge of whether or not he would be heard or in charge of a mute button. But in the end, we had this second debate. It was on Thursday. There was a moderator, Kristen Welker, who I thought did very well um, in terms of moderating, especially, you know, the challenges that the previous two moderators had. But let me just get my some feedback from my co-host very quickly. Right, well, let, me bring, let me let me bring in our, uh, our fourth co-host. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Patrick, you're back. <laughs> hey, it's Patrick. You can weigh in also, Mr. Mayor. Like, what did you guys Great. take from this particular debate? The final presidential debate of 2020. Start with Rodby. Well, it was a much more subdued Trump. I don't know if that's a, a result of the meds that he's under, or if it was <laughs> the a, first debate was a result of the super meds they gave him to fight off his positive. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, you're right. <laughs> if there was something up, but. Um, it was much more subdued. I, I did appreciate how the moderator uh, went at it. Uh, Joe was very calm and composed. He didn't let himself get dragged into any of the emotional hooks that uh, Trump was trying to drop on him. It, uh, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, you might got a few in there. Maybe, maybe a few, but you know, he didn't tell him to shut up on national TV. So props. There were, but there were, a lot of, there were a lot of, come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> I, I would dread sitting across from him and Kamala. Just, you know, especially if you're just touting some nonsense. Just. <laughs> really? So my initial thoughts is I, I thought it was actually, it was actually a really good debate. I, I enjoyed watching this debate. It, it wasn't, 
there wasn't a lot of the moderator was fantastic but there wasn't a whole lot of back and forth and they were there were a lot of zingers in there i mean a lot of zingers we, we showed the one where the abraham lincoln one earlier and talking about racially a lot back and forth i mean both of them did pretty well i mean of course trump was lying most of the time and we saw some lies from biden but um i thought it was a it was actually a really quality debate i enjoyed it mr mayor Sure. So I actually didn't watch the first hour, to be honest. I <laughs> I, uh, I decided I had, had a long day at work and I, I decided to go for a run. Um, but I will say for what I did catch, I, I agree that Kristen Welker was really the, the star. She did great. Uh, she managed to keep uh, keep Trump in, in line uh, without being overly um, kind of over having uh, having too much of a presence there because as a moderator, I think it's important that uh, that that she let them talk. So she let them talk, but didn't, um, but didn't let them get out of hand, um, particularly Trump. Uh, I do think, um, I do think it was very substantive. Um, I think the reason why I decided not to watch, um, not to watch it, but I had to tune in at the end. Uh, I was nervous. I was, I was uh, to me, cause to me, the only, the only thing, um, I am concerned about, um, I'm not going to say that it's in the bag for, for Biden. Um, but I think that the worst thing that could possibly happen is, is Biden's going to say something that's going to be like, that's going to, going to screw things up. And I was, I was nervous about that. And part of me was like, I'm just, I just can't watch this because I'm just, uh, I'm going to be panicked every time that Trump, that Biden says anything that could be misconstrued or, or, I was, I was or uh, um, but I think he, I, from, it seemed like he did a great job and, and all the all of you know all the everything that came out after it said that it was really not going to change the course of the election so far which i think is going in biden's way so um oh. and patrick that was one of my concerns over the summer um because biden you know tends to has this penchant for tripping up over his words as well or not saying the right thing or the appropriate thing and so all summer i kept saying to people just put a muzzle on him Shh. <laughs> Let Trump do what he does and you just lay in the cut and show the difference between you and him. Um, so I'm glad that he, they've been able to kind of get Biden on path, on track with that. Yeah. Because, again, over the summer, I was a bit worried when he was saying some of that crazy stuff. Like what? Um, like, you know, you ain't really black if you don't vote for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's that's not gonna cut it like i that and i know he he probably said it in jest or wasn't really aware of the impact that statement would make but it set me off immediately and i and you and i talked about it i said we they did. need to shut him up they need to shut him up like and i ultimately agreed with you yeah sometimes it's just time to put him back in the basement and <laughs> let him stay down there right. no. <laughs> I would have been fine if he just stayed in the basement. That would have been great. Because, I mean, he didn't have to do much to beat Trump. I mean, Trump, Trump's beating himself. I love the ad that they did where, where it was like a 10-second ad, and all it was was a clip of Trump, and, and he said, uh, I approve this message, where Trump was saying, you know, if I lose, I'm going to leave the country. <laughs> and Biden's like, I approve this message. Or, or Trump saying things like, like, Joe Biden wants to listen to Dr. Fauci. And then, and then, and then Biden just responded on Twitter with, yes. <laughs> perfect. Perfect, perfect advertisement for Biden. I mean, of course he does. He wants to listen to science. Yeah. All you need. It's all you need. All right, Lizzie. Trump may 
very a, a lot of inflammatory statements during the debate. Um, we talked about the first one in which he said that he's the least racist person in this room, which we all know is false. But then when the question turns to immigration mm. and the fact that there are over 500 immigrant children mm. who have not been reunited with their parents, who have not seen their parents for months, mm-hmm. where, in which we don't know where their parents are. Trump was very, um, not only evasive about the topic, but he tried, he deflected a lot. Mm-hmm. And he tried to pretty it up a little bit, even going as far as saying they, they're doing very well. They haven't, they've never been better in the conditions that they've been living in. He talked about the cages and instead of addressing the fact that they've been in poor conditions in these cages, he went and blamed it on the Obama administration and Biden and said, you guys invented the cages first. So you can't call us out on anything. So my question to the panel again, what was your response to that? Were you shocked? Were you angry? Like, how did that make you feel? And do you think there are a lot of Americans that agree with him on those subjects? Like, they don't care that these kids have not seen their parents in, at this point, over a year. Mr. President, your administration separated children from their parents at the border, at least 4,000 kids. You've since reversed your zero tolerance policy, but the United States can't locate the parents of more than 500 children. So how will these families ever be reunited? Bill plan Gages. to reunite the kids? Yes, we're working families? on it very, we're, we're trying very hard. But a lot of these kids come out without the parents. They come over through cartels and through coyotes and through gangs. These 500 That's a kids That's a came with parents. They separated them at the border to make it a disincentive to come to begin with. Big, real tough. We're really strong. And guess what? They cannot, it's not coyotes didn't bring them over. Their parents were with them. They got separated from their parents. And it makes us a laughing stock and violates every notion of who we are as a nation. And let me just go very quickly to Trump's exact statement about these kids who have not seen their parents, some of them in over a year. They are so well taken care of. They're in facilities that were so clean, which again, is a lot. We'll start with Patrick. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I shouldn't be shocked at anything that Trump says anymore, but but that's just, that's just horrifying to say that, oh, it's okay, they're clean facilities. Uh, you know, I, I, I used to I used to work, I worked in legal services for a number of years and I represented adults with mental illness in the mental health system in Washington, D.C. And a number of my clients were at St. Elizabeth's Hospital, which which has a long and, and troubled history. And uh, yeah, I mean, you go into those, you go into the wards where people were being held and sure, they were clean. They smelled of of all kinds of cleaning cleaning fluids and cleaning <laughs> solutions. Cleaning fluids. Uh, um, they smelled sterile. Uh, it wasn't. That doesn't mean it's a way that anybody wants to be able to live or should live. And when, when you're talking about when you're talking about kids being separated from their parents, I mean, who cares if they're in clean facilities? Yeah, they're still being the separated point. from their parents, right? And then for him to demonize them and talk about brain being kids being brought by like the, he suggests that they're all drug lords or something like that. I mean, it's just so it's it's demonizing immigrants. These are people who have fled violent situations and are just trying to look for a way to make a new life for themselves. And and now they're being now they're being kept in cages, being kept in, in refugee camps out, outside of our borders. The 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 number of asylum asylees and refugees that we've let in is just 
plummeted. So now these people aren't just going away. They're still they're still around and they're still trying to find a life for themselves. It's just that we're 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 leaving them in worse conditions uh, than in many cases, even in the ones that they that they fled. You know what the comment reminds me of? It reminds me of like slave owners back in slavery yeah. times talking about how they treated their slaves. Like, you know, oh man, my slave quarters are the best, or I treat my slaves great. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just the mentality is so off. It just doesn't make but, sense to me. But you know, Neo, if left up to Trump, we still wouldn't get the reality of what those situations were during slavery because he wants to eliminate History. that. Yep. The history from the course curriculum in American public schools. So none of that, none of that matters to him. And like Patrick said or alluded to, we're talking about kids who have been separated from their parents, but again, who are also in cages. There's nothing good or clean about being in a cage as a human. And to have the president of the United States of America take this stance is very telling and it should alarm every single person, not just in this country, but across the world. Robbie, you want to get a quick comment in? Yeah, no, I agree with the panel that uh, Trump used a lot of xenophobic language, coyotes, cartels, gangs. It's meant to demonize and to instill fear. Uh, he touted that these children were in these facilities, but at the end of the day, these are facilities where children have been removed from their parents. And the fact that they cannot find the parents, they cannot locate them, demonstrates how broken the process is. And that's, he was just so, he was flippant about it because I, I can't imagine a greater trauma for a child to be leaving your home to begin with because of horrible conditions. It's a matter of life and death. If you're picking up and leaving with whatever you can carry, it's a matter of life and death. And to be greeted with this scenario there, there is no opportunity. There is no amnesty. And I agree with Biden that it's it's a really terrible look for America. It's shameful. Now, Patrick, you, you tried to make uh, make it possible for undocumented, I believe, undocumented uh, residents to be able to vote. Yeah, we're all non-citizens, yeah. Yeah, so what was your thought process with that? Yeah, well, I, I, um, you know, I, I talked to a lot of residents of College Park, and obviously on a pretty regular basis, and a lot of the residents of College Park are, are non-citizens. It's a very diverse community here and, and a growing immigrant population. And there are people that have been, that have been in our community for, for years or even decades who, who pay taxes, who own homes, uh, who contribute to the community in a variety of different ways, um, but aren't still aren't able to participate fully in the community. Uh, because they haven't obtained citizenship yet and and that to, to me citizenship are the rules for citizenship are set up on on the federal level our citizenship system is broken right now in so many ways uh, but what how how much you're a part of the community should not depend on and this on is whether you're a citizen. Election. right yeah local right. right all right lizzie did you have anything else you wanted to bring up no, he just stresses me so much. Let's go to Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Mayor Woyan, that is all our hot topics. We thank you for joining us. Did you have any last words, any comments you wanted to get in? 
No, thanks for having me on again. You know, I think hopefully I see Lizzie uh, um, being done with talking about Trump and hopefully soon we'll, we won't have to talk about him anymore. He'll be dragged away and we won't have to deal with him anymore. Fingers crossed. And, and everybody, please make sure you get out and vote. The background, you know, your background, I think, says it all. It's just yes. important that everybody get out and vote. Yes, please get out to vote. Please vote. Everyone vote. All right. We really do thank you for joining us and we will thank see you. you. We, we may invite you back if that's all right. All right. I'd love to. Maybe maybe immediately after the election, we'll bring you back. How about okay. that? Okay. Yeah. Right. Sure. sure. I'd love good. to. Be in right, touch. Patrick, thanks again. Thanks again. All right. Take care. Bye. Continue. All right. Final hot topic. Let's try to get it in uh, quick, Robbie. Shoot. Take us home, Robbie. Shoot lie shenanigans. Did I we think lose we Robbie? Lost Robbie? We can't hear you, brother. Sorry. I'm sorry about that. So this is a truth um, that's going up against some long-standing shenanigans. Um, came across this story that's just brilliant. In the um, in one of the areas of Brazil, there is a tribe called the Uruu Wau Wau. They're separated across nine tribes, and they embrace a traditional way of life. As we know, the Amazon forests, uh, the Amazon basin, has been uh, it, it's being preyed upon. Just illegal clear cutting. Um, is a big part of it. And this is an ecosystem that humanity needs. Uh, most of our clean air is filtered through the Amazon basin. So we need to do everything we can to protect it. Um, now, this really neat thing about this story is that they're so far removed from technology that in order to even access uh, the Uru Au Wawau, you have to send them an email, which they get on, over radio Wi-Fi. It's printed in the one office where they have it, and then the print is brought to the local leaders to see if you are granted permission to come and see it. Now, um, yeah, so in July of 2020, uh, the Brazilian government cut funding to the space agency that monitors the deforestation, and now the World Wildlife Federation has stepped up and an NGO out of uh, Brazil, Kenan Ethno Environmental Defense Association, and they're giving the Uru Uru, or the, sorry, the Uru Eu Wawau, these high-tech drones so that they can get real-time information that they can report back to the authorities for illegal cutting, for illegal forestry. They can capture them on film, send these images. So they're now the front line to keeping our world air supply, our clean water, uh, future discoveries in medicine. And I know that we're really running short on time. And I guess for me, it's just stunning that it's being done by an NPO and an NGO and that the world governments are the ones that are cutting this, uh, the funding. So why do you think that funding is being cut in the first place? Yeah, I was, it's pretty straightforward. The mighty dollar. <laughs> Are you familiar with the term or the acronym, Rob? Cream? <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill. The dollar bills, no. That's, yeah. that's what it's all about. I think the one thing that makes me sad about um, this whole story is that you don't really think about indigenous communities communities that are purposely trying to be off the grid using drones. 
using email, like left up to their own devices, they probably don't want anything to do with this technology, right. but they need it in turn in order to survive Save in order environment. to so, yeah, in, in order to post an affront to um, everyone in the Western world who is trying to destroy their way of life, their agriculture. And so that's one of the things that, you know, in addition to the larger, the bigger, the, the story that you told here with this, with this article, the bigger picture here makes me sad. It's just like, why can't we leave these people alone? Right. They're not bothering us. Why are we bothering them? Of course, I know why we're bothering them, but that that's what makes it so sad. So very sad. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to have seen, and, and I guess I'm being a bit hypocritical here and contradicting myself, but I would have loved to have seen their first reaction to the zone, to the drones in the mm -hmm. sky, trying to learn how to use the drone. Like they must've been like, what in the hell is this? I'm <laughs> sure a lot of pushback you know, they probably thought that they were being spied upon or that it was, you know, a weapon, if you will, um, because it's just not a part of their daily life at all. And it really makes me sad. Like even the fact that, yeah, I'm happy that they're getting the equipment to maybe better protect themselves, but it makes me really sad that we have to even impose ourselves on them in this way right. in order for them to protect themselves. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely all about money. I mean, they're deforesting the, the rainforests just so that they can build agriculture, mining, etc. So it, it's just about money, and, and it's actually good to see the support. It, it's a shame that we can't keep them funded. Um, you know, it's just a shame. We don't, need more, we don't need more feed or cow pastures for any more Big Macs. We really don't. <laughs> Especially not me. I don't eat that mess, so... <laughs> but, what? but Liz, I love that you you really okay. highlighted the the duality of it. That this tribe of people, this group of people who wants to live a traditional life, uh, which is essentially devoid of technology, to be using high tech drones as their first line of defense, as their only weapon against this deforestation. It's um, <laughs> it's definitely an interesting contrast. And it's right. sad. It's it, it's sad. Yeah. Let's get um. Let's bring Gianni back in. Looks like she's a little smoother now. All right, Gianni. Let's see if we can get some comments from the last couple of hot topics. Sure. Okay. So Paulette Bertrand says, "Please don't vote with your wallet. Keep people's rights in mind." Mm, um, I like that one. We also have a comment from Daria Winter, but the problem is that young people still need to be encouraged to vote. Some are still talking about not voting. Mm. Um, Jacqueline Robinson says, they don't see these babies as human beings. They already started to use dehumanizing language to describe them early on. That made it more, I'm sorry. Oh, that made it more palatable to violate their most basic human rights. I've been, I've been reading those for like every time. It's, it's sometimes hard to read them because the flow of the comment. Yeah, <laughs> And then lastly, there's another one from Josie. She said, I would like to see dear son Baron in a cage for a day. Tell us how awesome that is. Oh, <laughs> the son? <laughs> I have a 
agree with that. One, Barron is a teenager. Two, Barron is on the spectrum. Three, Barron doesn't live with his parents at the White House. He lives with his grandparents in Maryland. Barron isn't like the other Trump kids. He hasn't done anything yet. And honestly, I think Barron, um, who doesn't really know his father, like there is no, if you look at the way they interact, there is no acknowledgement between father and son and son and father. Um, I think Barron might be the only bright hope in that entire Trump family, because he doesn't seem to be aware of the evil that is going on around him. So like I said in the last hashtag a couple of weeks ago, free Baron Trump, free Baron Trump. <laughs> I, I like Jose's uh, last comment. Also, when are you guys moving off grid? She says, Robbie. ASAP, ASAP, baby. <laughs> Wait, you can't go off grid. Wait a minute. You can't. You won't be here. Oh, yeah. I feel like I'm off grid in my apartment because I haven't left my damn apartment in months and months and months. I don't. Only person oh, I socialize with that I have seen in person over the past seven months really has been our former host, Jam, for like five minutes. Our, <laughs> That's right. Um, one of our hosts next week, Avi, um, for like an hour. And then Mike Winter, who, you know, is my Bama bestie who lives around the corner. And we kind of meet up every, maybe once a week. Other than that, I haven't seen anyone. I haven't gone anywhere. I haven't been on the Metro. I haven't been in a cab. I haven't been to restaurants. I, so I'm off the grid. Like I'm off the yeah, grid. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So that's it for our hot topics. We're going to run right into the game show and call it a day. Truth. Woo. Let's do it, Johnny. Woo, woo. Do it for your girl. Let's do it for your girl. I'm excited. I'm excited. All right. So oh, let me make sure I pull it up. So today's game is called Ask. And the way it works is the, the app will show you a question and we'll ask the question. And we'll do it round robin style. We'll start with Lizzie. Then we'll go to Rob, then myself, and you just give an answer as fast as you can. And then Gianni will be actually judging each round, telling us who. So is this, so is this ask in standard English or X in black English? <laughs> black English. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with ask. <laughs> My mama made sure I pronounced ask. <laughs> Every time I ever said X. <laughs> all right. So we're all set. You ready? Ready, uh, Gianni? Do you I'm have ready. a scoreboard? If you don't, I got it. Um, can you pull it up? I, I'm having I got you. trouble. No problem. You. I got the scoreboard. All right. Are we ready? So let's go. Lizzie, the best time to have sex is? First thing in the morning. First thing? First thing. Thing in the All right. Wake up, roll over, boom, hit it. <laughs> it was like that. <laughs> All right, Rob D. On the it top. Was like that. It's not the currently bottom. like that. It was like that. It was like that. Rob D. On <laughs> the top or on the bottom? Damn. Well, hey, you know what? We'll go bottom. Sure. Ah. Men are so lazy. Men are so lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can... My mom's on the stream, so I'm not saying anything. I'm not, I'm not gonna answer the questions I don't have to answer, so all right. <laughs> what <laughs> this is for me, what have you always wanted to do but haven't done yet? I've always wanted to skydive, but I don't think I'll ever do it because there was a time where I wasn't scared to do it, 
but now I'm a little scared to do it. So I don't think I'll ever actually do it. I've parasailed. That might be another alternative for you. I've okay. done parasailing. Um, and it was fun. It was okay. invigorating. I might do that. All right, Gianni, who's the winner of that round? Okay. Um, although Lizzie's comment was exciting, I'm going to have to go with Neo. Yay! <laughs> All right. Neo gets a point. <laughs> Neo gets a point. All right, let's go. Next one. Lizzie, how would you react if a couple would invite you for a threesome? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. All right. <laughs> Straightforward. All right. <laughs> and Rob B., you are planning a romantic evening and dinner and dinner at home. What will you do? Uh, we'll break out some wine. We'll break out some dish. Whatever, whatever baby wants. We'll put up the feelers beforehand. Put out some candles. Maybe run a yeah, bath. I like that. Romantic. Romantic. All right. And for me, the weirdest thing that you are into is. Ah. <laughs> the thing I'm into. Is oh, Mel yeah. watching? Is Mel B watching? Video games? I don't know. I'm not into weird stuff, really. <laughs> Maybe we'll get Mel to answer this one on the stream. Yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely going to lose this round because I, I don't know any weird stuff I'm into. I'm not into Maybe Mel, yeah, Mel, you can post some, what, what's, what's some weird stuff I'm into? I don't know. She already called me out. What did she say? She said no skydiving. So. <laughs> All right, so who wins All this right. round, Gianni? Okay, guys, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to give it to Lizzie. I agree with you, actually. I would have given it to Lizzie, too. <laughs> Hell no. This is round three. <laughs> round three. All right, this might be the final round. Let's see. Have you, Lizzie, have you ever been blindfolded? Fold, have you ever blindfolded or tied up your partner? No. Never? No. Okay. No. I need to read um, Dolores Claiborne, Stephen King's Dolores Claiborne. That will Ooh. change your opinion about tying up folks, about using handcuffs the whole nine. Dolores Claiborne. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Robbie, do you sometimes visualize how other people look naked? Uh, who doesn't? Come on. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that because it's not my question. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who anyone who's done public speaking knows that trick. You've pictured a room full of naked people. You've done it. <laughs> All right. One who's and seen Vince Carter naked in the locker room has answered that, asked that question of themselves. So. Oh, okay. Uh, so my question <laughs> is, how often do you shave your intimate places? <laughs> uh, okay. So it used to be relatively regularly, but in these COVID days, <laughs> uh, do I really have to answer this question? <laughs> you make this game. Well, it might be about it might be about once a month, once a month or something like that. Maybe 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 it's moved up to twice a month. I mean, every other month. I don't know. <laughs> John, maybe yeah, answer Stephen, the question. Baby. You're better than that, Neo. You're better than that. Did you maybe answer the question? Okay, Gianni. Who won that round? I think that Neo's answer was pretty funny. Yes! Yes! Neo. Neo. catch up. That's the catch up. <laughs> no, because that's the end of the game right there. Lizzie, you're a loser. 
<laughs> Loser. <laughs> no man ever said no man ever. <laughs> that was a great game. That was really fun. Thank you, Gianni. We'll bring you back for shout outs. <laughs> All right. Well, it's time for shout outs. <laughs> All right, Lizzie. Shout outs. First of all, shout out to the mayor. Thank you for joining us and, you know, giving us your insight and perspective on what it means to be a mayor during these trying times. But also, again, shout out to the Washington team. Oh, did we win? <laughs> we won. All we right. beat them, Cat Mamas. You know y'all going to be tired and sad and making all kinds of excuses all week. We don't want to hear it. <laughs> all right, Robbie, shout outs. Shout out to Jose, shout out to my mom, shout out to Gino. Thank you, it's wonderful to have the family join. Um, and really to the audience for your participation, continued participation, thank you so much. Patrick was absolutely wonderful on the show, learned a lot about what's going on in your neck of the woods. Yeah, definitely shouting out Patrick and shouting out my wife, Mel. Good to see you on the show. Gianni, shout out. Um, I wanted to shout out my best friend, Lamina, who's also watching live with us hey. as well. So, oh, what's your name again? Hey. Say it again. Um, Lamina. Lamina. Thanks for watching, Lamina. Hope you enjoyed it. All right, Gianni, it was great having you on the show today. Thank you for all your help. We will see mm. you next show. Wink. We'll, I got <laughs> we'll see you Wednesday, Deja. I mean, Deja, I keep calling her Deja. <laughs> Johnny. I can't get it out of my head. All right. So I that is our show for today. I'd like to thank you all for joining us. We hope you had a good time, maybe learned something, got something off your chest. Don't forget to find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at TLS Live Show. Make sure you're tweeting Lizzie, the Twitter tweeter. And if you missed any of today's episode, you'll be able to rewatch as soon as our show ends. Also, check out our clips online on YouTube, YouTube and Facebook tomorrow for you to share them out. Remember, you can also listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Alexa, you name it. You will be able to find us somewhere. Just search or ask for the Truth Lies Shenanigans podcast or simply go to TLSshow.com. Uh, Make sure you enjoy make sure you join our next live show on Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern time, as Avi will be rejoining the crew. And it's our first ever Halloween spectacular show. We'll all be dressed up in costume. It should be a fun, fun show. All right. And the winner for today's show, Neo. Thank you, Deja. <laughs> So the final word for today is please again, and it's probably the, my final word for the next week. Please go out to vote. There's early voting going on right now. So you got to get out there. If you, if you do your mail-in voting, do your mail-in voting, whatever you have to do, just get your vote in and make sure it's not Trump. I don't care who else you vote for. It's not Trump, <laughs> but vote. Uh... <laughs> All right. All right, guys, I want to thank you guys for joining us. It was a fun show, really good show. We'll see you later.
Have you voted yet? I don't know. This year, it's such a mess. Wait, I'm sorry, how do you know my name? <laughs> oh, Gary, I'm gonna sing now. It's in the Constitution and it's in the Bill of Rights. It's threaded through the fabric of our land. From the shores of Pensacola to the streets. Every loyal citizen has come to understand. Each person gets a vote. Every hero. Every jerk. And we have to count them all, cause that's democracy at work. We count. Yes, we count. Whether in person or by mail, the process will prevail. We count. Oh, we count. And with so many states and people in charge and buckets of ballots in such a large amount, it's gonna take some time to count. See, that's what I mean. Why would it take longer this year? It's 2020. Name one normal thing. Uh, exactly. And the election's no different. So we just got to trust the process and realize that on election night, we might not know the next president yet. And that's okay? Well, some people might go tweet and say they know the end results and call a winner well before they should. But everyone, relax. Let's be civilized adults. There's no finale till we tally it from every neighborhood. We count. We count? Yes, we count. We count. We, we count. count. Every granny, every crowd. Every hanging chat. We count. We count. We count. We count. If it looks like a dumpster fire, don't despair. Remember this, it's barely count. It's gonna take some time to count. <gasps> Is this because of voting by mail? Well, up to half of votes this year will be mailed in, and some states don't even start opening them until election day. Gosh, it's gonna be like waiting for Christmas morning. Well, come sit on Santa's lap. Okay. With more mail-ins and absentees than we've ever had before, election night might be more like election week or more. But if your Facebook is Chernobling and you feel confusion mounting, just take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Chill the f out. Chill the and let them do the And if it takes a while, we'll do it with a smile. We'll count because we count. Yes, we count. In every town, in every state, we, we know, know what makes our country great. And if the tally comes in late, we won't freak out or aggravate. We'll be the masters of our fate. We'll have a sandwich while we wait. And now let me With so many states and people in charge and buckets of ballots in such a large amount. It's gonna take some time to count. I wanna count. 